You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. I hope you're having an amazing Friday. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And this week, we're diving into the topic of empowering families. And next, I'm talking to Ross McCook, and we're going to be looking at the topic of building resilience. Welcome, Ross. Hello, Natalie. How are you? I am so good. And it's so good to have you here. Uh, Ross actually was a guest in my Thriving Teens and Tweens series that I did many, many years ago. And I'm so thrilled to have you back, Ross. For those of you that don't know him, Ross is the founding director of Heart for Youth, established back in 2012. It's a non-for-profit NGO, a youth mentoring and support organization for high needs, vulnerable youth based in Auckland. It's an it's and it's excuse me it's an extension of Ross's previous years of experience 20 years voluntarily working with young people from all ethnicities and all walks of life. Ross is also the lead trainer and facilitator for the New Zealand Youth Mentoring Network delivering mentoring training and organizational support throughout New Zealand with outstanding results and testimonials as well as a national youth conference leader. His latest work includes a key role in the development of the nationwide government initiated I'm going to get you to say it for me. Pitiki Toa or Mana and Mahi or Whakarongaro. There we have it. Mana and Mahi, virtual mentoring support program for apprentices. And he's currently the principal trainer and coordinator for the program. Ross, it is so, so good to have you here. Oh, so good to be here. Thanks for having me, Natalie. So today we're going to talk about resilience. But before we do that, I would love it if you could let our guests know a little bit more about you. If you could tell us a bit about your backstory and what got you to this point. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll, quite, I'll try and keep it uh, pretty, pretty short. So, um, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of a it's a bittersweet story, I guess. And um, we'll start with a bitter. Um, so yeah, I I kind of had a little bit of a challenging upbringing. Um, cannabis was a big deal for me. Literally, uh, smoked my first joint age uh, ten. By the time I was um, seventeen, I had a full blown cannabis addiction. Whereby sitting through Christmas family dinner without being stoned would have been a complete fail. Um, and that was, you know, that was my normal at the time. Uh, that was my environment. I didn't think it was a a big problem, but clearly it was. And a long story short. Um, Tragically, someone lost their life, another young person in a, in a car accident. And um, yeah, I, I blame myself for my inaction due to my cannabis addiction. Um, so I kind of carried the, um, the, it was kind of a convoluted thought pattern for myself. It wasn't completely true, but um, for two years, I carried the, the guilt of uh, another young person leaving their life, which losing their life, which was a pretty big burden to, to carry. I would have loved a adult to have sat there and thought about my part and all of that and actually asked me how I was doing. Um, that, that didn't happen, no criticism of, of the adults in my world. But um, so fast forward a bit, uh, my older brother um, and a, a local guy, church guy, um, I don't know if they consciously thought, let's mentor this young man, uh, but that's what they did. And so um, it just created um, an off-ramp, I guess, to to um, find some other options for what I was doing. And uh, one of them offered me an apprenticeship 
um, by the age of 23, I ended up, um, uh, so, so that really transformed thing. Faith is another big part of my journey. Um, but age 23, I started my own company, had a really successful business for nearly 20 years. Within that time, I would look out for little Rossies <laughs> and, and, uh, in the community and, um, I'd try and, bring these kids into my business and upskill them and that. And then a friend of mine had what we called back in the day a SIFS home, a child, youth and family home, now Ramatamariki. And so I started helping him doing respite care with some of his boys. Um, one day everything changed. I'd taken a few of them out ski biscuiting, um, having a lot of fun and had a big barbecue and all that. And one of the boys came up to me and I thought he was joking when he said it. And he said, Ross, this has been the best day of my life. Uh, so that boy was um, 14 at the time. He went into care when he was 10 and he had been in 10 different foster homes within that time. So I started to connect with these boys um, and I found out their backstories, which were horrendous and heartbreaking. Um, and yeah, they got me. They caught me. <laughs> uh, and so I let, I let go of my let go of my business and started not for profit. Um, from there, we we became foster parents ourselves to um, child youth and family. Uh, we ended up fostering uh, a boy who's now thirty. We had him since he was fifteen. Um, so yeah, so we uh, like I just I just got so much out of doing that. Um, I thought you know that'd make a great day job. So as I say, let go of our business. Uh, and then I just thought, this is so incredible. I really want to um, empower other ad adults to experience what we experience by helping young people. So we we sort of, I see ourselves as like a kind of a bridging brokering organization. So we're saying to young people, you know what, adults actually do care about you and would like to connect with you. And the same, um, we're saying to adults, you know what, young people actually would love to make a connection. And I think what the, the challenges for a lot of adults is they see these kids in the community um, and, and some of them can be a little bit angry about what we see with young people. But there's, I, I, you know, I know there's a lot that are really compassionate. They'd like to help, but they don't know how to. And so we're like this kind of bridging, brokering organisation, just just joining them together, really. And once we do that, it's, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, started doing that in 2012, just celebrated 10 years. Um, we've had some kids in our program for eight years. Um, and we just say to our kids, if you stick around long enough, we'll turn you into a mentor as well. So we've done that a few times. Uh, and then around about six years ago, long story, I ended up being the lead trainer for the New Zealand Youth Mentoring Network. Um, so, yeah, I'm sold out to this. This is, uh, this is what I love. This is absolutely my dream job. Um, and so, yeah, here we are. I've got a, a little side hustle. We've got a little motel down in Fitianga. So um, that's that's kind of my little respite care, dealing with people that um, don't don't have challenges. They're just here for a holiday. So although that's not going too well at the moment, thanks to the cyclone. But yeah, so yeah, that's me in a big nutshell. It's so fascinating how, you know, life takes a path. Like you were on that path yep. with the mm. cannabis and then it just takes one or two people to intervene or really yes, to create an opportunity for you and yep. take you under their wing. And I love how that's become your path and your legacy. Mm, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. It, it's like you just somebody to, for someone to take a scenario that might 
you know, start out bad and then end up good. I just reminded me of the story of, um, you know, my son and a few of his friends who were skateboarding at the local church. And um, then they were told not to skateboard on the tiles. And then they did. And they broke the tile. Um, and then they hit it and they ran away. And then uh, when when uh, we when we found out about it, we my husband went up with the with the four boys and, and they they apologized and and everything. And she said, you know, I, what I love here is the way that they responded. This is our local church. They said, well, we, you boys can come and clean the windows, you know, on a Sunday and you come and help clean the windows. So they went and did that. They got the tile fixed. And then they said to the boys, if you want to skateboard, why don't you skateboard around the corner here where it's paved, not the tiles. And if you want to make some skate ramps, you can lock them up here with a chain and a, and a combination and come and skate here anytime. Cool. And I thought, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. That they got in trouble for doing something that was, you know, they were off the technology. They were skateboarding camaraderie, <laughs> fitness, fresh air. It could yeah. have gone so bad, but the way that the, that the lady at the church handled it, that she created this opportunity for them. And I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It just takes one person to make a yeah. difference. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I love that. Um, in fact, one of the a little aspect that I, tr- I deliver with the youth mentoring training is a little uh, snippet called Discipline with Dignity. And so that's really about um, the times that do come where we've got to, you know, the boundaries have been crossed and we actually have to respond. But it's about doing that in a way that keeps their their mana and their wairua, their spirit intact. And so I, I grew up... Um, I often say to people, I'm uh, I'm a boomer, so um, which fundamentally means I can offend everyone in the room and have no idea that I've done it. So <laughs> hopefully, so that's just my disclaimer here today, Natalie. Um, but I, I grew up, you know, in a generation where discipline was about grinding you into the dirt and and just almost breaking your spirit. And so many of us actually were, um, you know, the, the the collateral damage of that. Um, so yeah, so I love that. That's a beautiful example of. Um, you know, bringing about some discipline, but in a, um, you know, preserving that dignity with a positive outcome. So yeah, love that. I know. So good. Um, I love that phrase, discipline with dignity. Mm. I'd love to talk to you. So we're going to talk about resilience today, which is definitely a buzzword and specifically very relevant because in the past three years, probably more than ever before, a lot of people have had to really call on their own resilience. Um, I believe everyone has resilience within them. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not something they necessarily learn. I believe it's something they call on, meaning they, they have it within them, but they might not be tapping into it. What do, what have you seen in the last three years specifically or ha- around the resilience piece? Um, yeah, well, I think we're on the same page straight away, Natalie. I, I didn't know that that's what you, you thought about resilience, but I totally agree with you. So, so I think, um, you know, often in my training, um, I'll, I'll, uh, in fact, I have a, a little fun thing I do with a, with a bunch of, uh, you know, people that I'm trained. I'll get them set up on a table and I'll ask them to write down a, a dictionary definition of resilience, right? So the word's never been um, written in a dictionary before, come up with it. And it's quite interesting what they kind of stand and deliver. Um, but quite often um, we... We connect, um, uh, not completely wrongly, but we connect resilience with perseverance, right? So often, if, if we think about someone being resilient, we think about someone that perseveres. But the challenge with that is, is we all know someone, especially in our country, that's been that hard as concrete person, you know, the, the, the one that just goes and goes and goes and goes. And then sadly, what happens is they go down and they don't come come back again. 
and they don't come back up again. And so, and often, you know, we're, we're so stunned and, you know, talking specifically about those that, you know, might get to the point where they actually end their lives. And and so often we hear, and, and people are just so, so stunned. They can't believe that that particular person, because they were always the one that went and went. And so, so whereas resilience, um, you know, there is certainly an element of perseverance, but for us, we really teach that resilience is um, not about if you might fall over, it's when you fall over and and how do we get back up. So for us, is very much resilience is about bounce back ability. And um, I often say to parents, um, male, uh, sorry, um, role model failure well. And, and so that's not something you might hear specifically in a parenting course. And what do I mean by that? So, so just accept the fact that kids are going to see you fail, right? And so instead of trying to be a perfect parent, acknowledge our humanness, our frailty, and model to them what that looks like as they get back up. And I can't tell you the amount of kids I know who have witnessed their parents go through um in and out of the prison system, through uh, family harm, through drug addiction. And those kids are, are proud of the fact that their parents have come through that. And even though, you know, it looked like a big face plant, they, you know, they bounce back. So um, so that's the first thing I would say um, uh, about resilience. So, so the challenges, obviously, for young people, um, almost in a heartbeat, you know. Once, once upon a time, a, a generation was was a good couple of decades. Now it seems to be about five years. Uh, things just seem to be changing so quickly, um, and so. You know, often I think we hear adults, you know, quoting back in my day. <laughs> well, the, well, the challenge is, is we're not in your day. Um, the chances are, if the kids of today were in your day, they'd be the same as as you. And if you were in their day, you'd be faced with the same challenges that they're faced with. And I don't know how you would go. So, um, so there are a lot of new challenges coming thick and fast. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's something really, really important that um, any adult, any parent needs to be thinking about how can I create, you know, um, not a perfect young person, but a perfect, uh, a young person that understands that failure is normal, uh, that hitting your face, going down is, is normal and it's okay. But how can we get you back up? So um, I'm not sure what your question was, but <laughs> it was around. It was you're spot on. Yeah. You're spot on. Yeah. We went to yeah. a careers night um, last week at my daughter's school. My husband and I and my daughter went along, and all the collegiates came back. You know, and they had these. You know, you'd go to the room and you'd hear about law, or you'd hear about medicine, or you'd hear about business. And the consistent message from all of them was around, yeah, like you want to get good grades, but you need to be resilient and you need to be able to work with people and be adaptable. And I thought that is, I loved, I loved that our youth were hearing that message come through loud and clear because of course, yeah, the marks are important, but being resilient, which doesn't necessarily mean like soldier on at all costs. Sometimes you do have to stop, you know, as I sometimes say, I sometimes use these outdoor analogies because I'm back in the day, I was an outdoor instructor and I'd say like, you know, I was a kayaker, right? And I'd say, pull into the eddy, you know, have a little snack, have a little break. And then when you're ready and you, you know, maybe have some water to hydrate, then get back into the flow and and paddle down the river. And, and the, the analogy is really around 
you know, we don't just have to soldier on. Sometimes we have to stop, acknowledge how we feel, do something to make ourselves, you know, release the anger or feel better and then move on. And do you think the kids these days have those skills? What are you seeing? Because they've got different pressures um, on them. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> uh, well, certainly probably not to the degree that that we probably did have. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, I think one of the one of the big challenges, and often I'll say to parents, um, and it's I haven't quite uh, packed this down completely, but what I try and say to parents around um, just keeping their their mental health and their wider or their spirit um, at a good place is try and shrink their worlds, right? Try and shrink their worlds. So, what do I mean by that? So. Um, there's, there's great intentions with our education system um, in expanding the universe, the world of, of young people. And I think what's really important to, to just get a message through to young people is that you don't have to stand up for every cause, right? And so we think that somehow or other we're empowering our young people by um, – you know, let, letting them know what, you know, the, the, the latest kind of causes. And so it's, um, you know, there's almost this pressure to just be, you know, re, retweeting the, um, you know, whether it's environment, whether it's, um, you know, stuff around race, um, you know, again, climate, um, equal rights, um, LGBTQ, all those sorts of things. And so I think there's this pressure on young people that they, they sort of almost have to be, you know, flying this flag or that flag or whatever. And and they just they just don't, <laughs> you know. And so sometimes it's worth um, – in fact, I had a parent – I did a, a, a radio um, interview a few years ago um, and a friend of mine was hosting it and we were talking about this very subject of, of resilience and her 16-year-old son came home and he said to her, and he was he was very solemn and serious about it. He said, he said, Mum, he said, the lungs of the world are burning. Profound statement. And if you're not sure what he was talking about, he was talking about the Amazon jungle fires, which are probably still burning. And and so, you know, when mum's faced with, you know, what do you what do you say to that? A kid comes home, it, like, wow. The lungs of the world are burning. Like what a what a statement from a sixteen year old, and and of course she's not able to say, "Well, it'll be all right, honey." You know, like they'll they'll bring in those big American planes that drop. Like it's not going to happen, you know. So so that's daunting. And so sometimes with all that cause stuff, um, the way that we can help sort of counter those almost um, disabling things that come our way is is to maybe maybe as a family jump in on that it's like well how can we how can we do something environmental and it's like um, well hey you know let's join an organization let's get out plant some trees you know what I mean let's do that together or, or if we're just overwhelmed with with poverty world poverty hey why don't as a family why don't we sponsor a kid uh, in India or, or Africa right and so let's jump on TV under world vision find a kid let's let's do that so so 
so rather than just being overwhelmed by all these causes, um, you know, narrow them down and collectively as a family say, hey, let, you know, maybe we could do something. Should we be regular contributors to the food bank or whatever it might be? So, but but yeah, sometimes it's a matter of shrinking their worlds. I, I remember, you know, again, being a boomer, I, I grew up literally when the Vietnam War was happening. And I remember six o'clock news, you know, my dad would go, he'd pop it, poke his head out from behind the newspaper because he just read it cover to cover. <laughs> Six o'clock news, everyone had to be quiet. And it was literally the Vietnam War was on TV. I think it was probably black and white, which is probably a good thing. And my dad would try and get me to sit in the room because you need to know the stuff. I'm like, I why would I want to watch that? Like I'm seven or whatever I was. And, and so I was able to remove myself from that. Kids are not able to remove themselves. And as I say, you know, the education the teachers think they're doing a great service mm -hmm. by expanding their knowledge of the world. Well, the world's frightening right now, you know. So somehow think about that. How can I shrink it down a bit? Totally agree. And I love that phrase. It makes total sense. I mean, I said to my husband the other day, I just want our kids to be able to be kids. You know, I don't want them to know all the stuff that I know yeah. at all yeah. um, about the world. I, you know, I, and it is. And I feel like another phrase we use in parenting, of course, is, you know, pick your battles in terms of what are the things that you're going to discipline and all your kids on. But, yeah. but that's different. But the, pick your causes really is what you were saying. It's like you don't have to go for everything and be support every cause that comes along. It's exhausting. And yeah. in terms of it's, it's, it's going to create a lot of anxiety. And I know that's something that you're quite concerned about is, which all of us are, have you seen, you know, a rise in anxiety and what are the drivers of anxiety other than these concerns about the world and all the issues? What else is creating that sense of anxiety for our kids? Yeah, sure. So I remember um, something I was reading, I'm, I'm, I love to hoover up information that relate to young people. Uh, and I read an article a few years ago, and I think it was around 2011, 2012, where um, the majority of American kids, the tipping point where over 50% of them had an iPhone, right? So the smartphone came through. There was a study that was done, and they went back literally as far as they could with humanity, and they tried to evaluate young people's responses to worldwide calamity, right? And so as, as best they could, they interviewed people that had been in the someone's still alive from the First World War, I think my granddad was there, you know, Second World War, Vietnam, all the rest of it. And and so they they queried them, questioned them and all the rest of it and tried to get some sort of a um, a graph, if you like, of, of the enormity of the anxiety that those young people experienced, whatever it might have been. What they found was absolutely exponentially from the time that those smartphones started landing in the hands of kids, that anxiety just took off like never before in history. And it was really, it was astounding and it was frightening and, and it still is. And so a lot of that is... Um, you know, just that that whole social media thing, which we which we which we know and we get, and we hear lots about it. There's no silver bullet to that, but it's that trying to stay up, trying to keep up. Um, you know, again, back in back in our day, uh, the bullying thing. You right? You, the bullying it ended at the letterbox, right? You'd hurl a couple of stones at each other and drop a few, whatever. Be hope mum didn't hear it, and and you'd you'd walk inside and you'd shut the front door, you drop your and 
sanctuary, the, the bullying stops, but it doesn't stop now. It keeps going. It goes, it goes through the night. It goes through the small hours. They wake up and it's, it's there. So, so this is really difficult stuff um, to navigate. And uh, again, couple all of that with what's happening, you know, in our world. So yeah, we've got, we've got some challenges going on there. It's interesting. You mentioned the bullying thing. It's very, um, very relevant for me at the moment. I actually have been on the receiving end. Once again, it did happen about a year and a half ago um, as a result of some of my interviews that I did around um, encouraging parents to look at what they're teaching kids in sex ed class specifically. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get any negative response publicly, but within my local mom's group, they went bananas. They went bananas at me and they made it personal and it was, they didn't even stick to the issues. We So, and, and I guess the key there for me is I agree with you, you know, the, because they're doing it online and we've heard this term keyboard warriors where people that would never, if they saw you in the grocery store, they would, they would ignore you. Probably they wouldn't say something, but online, they just seem to, there's this different energy and there, and yeah. then what happens is a little bit of a pack mentality. Mm, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, which is sad, isn't it? When it's happening you know, amongst adults. So, uh, yeah, once again, <laughs> we've got some challenges and I'm really sorry that that happened to you, Natalie. So, uh, I, you know, like again, um, I'm so sorry, but uh, did you, where'd you grow up, Natalie? I grew up in Canada, Toronto. Canada, there we go. So I always ask that question now because uh, mixing up Canadians and Americans like mixing up Australians and New Zealanders, you just don't want to do it. So uh, so I don't know if this was a thing in Canada, but uh, so we had a, a phrase as, as, as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will, did they have that? Never hurt me. Never hurt, never hurt me. Yeah. So, so we, and we'd literally yell this at kids, right? A kid's giving you a serve, a verbal, yeah. and we would literally retort with sticks and stones will break my bones, mm -hmm. but names will never hurt me. And, and of course, we, we know that names do hurt us, but there needs to be a little bit of a middle ground where, um, and, and see, once again, this is the thing we're, we're asking kids to be so open and so sensitive and so embracing. We're, we're, we're absorbing all of the stuff. We don't know how to stop or block anything out. So, um, whilst I want to really listen to you and care about what you're saying, you know, if we can't filter that, it's going to have a huge impact. And we, I think, you know, sometimes we do need to say a little bit sometimes those kids you know it's it's just words you know and and I, i'll probably cop it but maybe i'll get a bit of that online bullying as well natalie but but to some degree and so so this is where building a strong inner voice within us is so important because that's the thing that's going to um uh, that's going to be the filter. That's going to be the block whereby children or young people aren't going to take that stuff on right and because they're confident on the inside. So the, the inner voice says, excuse me, I absolutely know who I am and I'm not one of those. Thank you very much. So um yeah, so so these are these are things that need to be talked about and 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 balanced. But yeah, challenging for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the um the lesson for myself there, of course, one of them, always many lessons to learn, is um for me to discuss it with my kids, you know, to say, actually I'm 40, I'm turning 50 this year. 
But yeah. when I was 47 was the first time I've ever been bullied. I went 47 years with never being bullied. And the yeah. first people to bully me are moms in their forties. Who would have thought, but to be able to share that with my kids, you know, and, and not, uh, and just share the lessons and be like, I actually didn't say anything that I regret saying or feel bad about. And I'm really owning that. I feel like I was probably overly diplomatic. Um, but also my, and my, my oldest, you know, she says to me, mom, why do you post about that stuff? when you know, it's just going to bother them. I said, sweetheart, because I am here to shine the light on and raise conversations. And it's not just about posting about lost dogs and selling uniforms in my group. You know, it's a parenting group. These are things parents need to know about, but she's like, mom, why do you want it? Why do you still post about it? I said, well, some, you know, I feel, I feel str strongly about it. Mm. Um, but you know, just and, and it it brings up some dialogue with them. And bullying, yep. of course, is not just something that happens to kids; it happens to parents as well. Mm. Um, and there's always something we we can learn from that. Sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember going pretty vocal on my um, my thoughts around legalizing cannabis. Um, and yeah, I, I really knew I wasn't a fan. Um, in fact, I got so passionate about it, I made a video which got three and a half thousand uh, looks. But I was just putting it out there. I was putting out my perspective. But some people were were just like, yeah, just unbelievable, you know. So, um, but yeah, and I think again, kids will look at that and go, wow, go my mum. Yeah, but again, <laughs> they'll, it comes they'll back be quietly telling their <laughs> friends, you know, you know, my mum. Wow. Well, maybe not yet. Maybe in a few years they will. But yeah. I think it comes back to what we were discussing around picking your battles. You know, you did this video about cannabis because it's close to home. You feel really strongly yep. about it. I'm not going to go posting about everything left, right and center, sure, sure. but things that I feel strongly about. And of course, it's all in the way you word things as well. Um, so I think it's the same thing. It's like pick and choose the thing, your passion, you know, yep. messages for the world. For and sure. um and also just to be aware of yeah how we treat each other but people are very triggered and um mm. and and often they're coming i look at someone and i might go well they're coming from a place of fear so i, I kind yeah. of get them give them some grace very good yeah 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 for sure yeah um for those listening we actually did a show last week which was all around self discovery I interviewed Marie McLean and we talked about her, her book, the no BS guide to getting sober. So I know on this call, we talked about, you know, um, marijuana and cannabis. So if anyone, um, if that's relevant to anyone, you definitely want to go and check out that replay. Um, because I think everyone has something in their life, you know, it's something that, um, will set them on a path and maybe they want to go on a different path. And, uh, so yeah, if that's helpful, you guys, you can check out the replays realitycheck.radio slash replays. Um, okay, Ross, so I'd love to ask you if you have any other practical activities that you do with the people you work with or exercises that you have them do. I don't mean physical fitness, but like activities or exercises yep. that you can share with my audience today. Is there anything we can do maybe with our kids at home or something around, you know, helping kids to be either more confident or more resilient or less anxious? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things when when I'm training for Heart for Youth and, and the New Zealand Youth Mentoring Network, so we talk about resilience. So, so a couple of practical ways that you can actually build resilience is what we call focusing on what we call internal resilience builders um, and external resilience builders. And so I model this basically with a, with a rubber ball or a football or something to that effect and that thought again about um, bouncing back. And so when when we talk about internal resilience builders, um, and so one of the challenges is um, 
um, you know, someone once said, you know, if we we're we're human beings, but most of the time we we're focused on human doing, and and so. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, my entire, most of my life with undiagnosed ADHD. I couldn't concentrate in school. I tried my best. Um, I failed. And I came out with that inner critic that basically said, Ross, you're dumb and everyone else is smarter than you. And it, it took me literally decades to, to kind of uh, work through all of that stuff. Um, and so, so often society is, is based on, um, you know, so... Um, occasionally you might get a, a, a you know the the good player of the day award for for being a good sport but most of the time it was how you played on the field how you performed right and and so there's so much of a um, emphasis on outcomes right how how you're doing and and so that just sends a message if if I'm not constantly delivering a positive outcome for mum or dad or school or whatever um, then I'm not going to get some good feedback. And so what I challenge parents to do is, and, and you spoke about it as well, that a lot of that resilience is within 100%. So within all of us as human beings, we find these kind of innate built-in qualities um, and they're things that we wouldn't specifically maybe use in a conversation. So some kids, you'll see them, we've just got a great sense of humour. They've got a passion for learning. Um, they're, they're relational um, by default, they're optimistic. Um, and so we find these these qualities within them, right? And, and these are the things that get us through life. But we don't think about them. We don't verbalize them. We don't, you know, tattoo them on our bodies. Well, some people, maybe they do. And, and so, for example, um, as, as, so as adults, our challenge is to see those qualities within that young person, name them, and then frame them. Right. And so what I mean by that, and it, and it's like, wow, you know, so your 10 year old Natalie, I don't know, we're, we're sort of, we were going to the school camp, got cancelled because of the weather and all kids are cooking. I'm like, wow, Natalie, you're so optimistic. Right. And so you're looking at me like, I didn't know what you're talking about. Um, and, and so like, wow, you're optimistic. So, so then what I'd do is I'd give you an example of where I saw you practicing optimism. So Natalie, all the other kids were so disappointed about, you know, the, the, the camp getting, um, cancelled because of the weather, but I just love the way you're optimistic. You know, you you let them know that we're going to go next week, and you just and Nelly, you're a half, uh, you're a glass half girl, full. Sorry, you're a glass half full kind of a person, right? And and so so Nelly goes away going, wow, I'm optimistic. Uh, I didn't know that, but Ross said I was, and he's pretty cool, right? And and so what we're doing is we're we're finding these qualities within these young people and naming them, and then letting them know how awesome they are. And it sort of sits alongside um, what we talk we call emotional literacy, right? So emotional literacy is being able to actually name the emotions that we're feeling, right? So that's a good thing to go through with kids. Um, but those res those inbuilt resilience builders, and I guarantee if you think about your life, the challenges that you've been through there'll be three four five things that um that really stood out for you um in fact i had uh i had a, a, an amazing young wahine uh a year 13 student right up in kai tires doing some um some some work there a few years ago with some young youth leaders she said something to me quite profound she said ross she said i hate it when adults tell me i'm awesome and that kind of threw me a bit i thought hmm Interesting. 
I was like, go on. And and she says, well, she said, I find it really cliche. She said, when an adult tells me I'm awesome, I want to know why they think I'm awesome. Right. And I just thought, wow, that's that's so good. So so it's more of a focus on not so, how, you know, much how, what, what you're doing, but who you are, really. And so, you're, wow, you're so kind. Give them an example. Wow, you're so empathetic. Give them an example. Mm. Wow, I love that ability to bounce back, you know. Uh, and so I'd, I'd just love to, uh, you know, to, to see a coach get a kid that come off the, the football field, the soccer field, and tell, I, I love the strategy, the strategy you had there to get the ball from the back to the front, right? You're a great strategist, you know. I bet there's not many football coaches that told a kid you're a great strategist. You know that'll take you places. So, so these are what we call internal resilience builders, right? So, so name them, frame them, internal, external. We call it wraparound, right? Um, let's think about a trampoline. The modern ones, the new ones that come out, right? They've got the they've got the netting that goes right around the edges, right? Now, I, I was, I'm a boomer. I looked at those when they first came out, and I thought soft kids, right? But it makes sense considering um, one Christmas for my my wife, their, their their family, they were kids got a trampoline. There was no room on the grass because the family's cars were parked there, so they set it up on the concrete driveway. Uh, well, my my poor wife spent Christmas Day. Uh, uh, I shouldn't laugh. North Shore. Shore Hospital. I, I don't need to tell you what happened there. Um, and so, if you can imagine that kind of wraparound uh, thing, where where you've got those supports in place, and so parents need to be really deliberate. So, so what is other than you? And you can't support your kids ultimately. What what could you put in place that creates some wraparound? Right, some really cool family members that need to spend more time at your house. Right, some of those positive kids, whether it's sports, whether it's a cause, um, what we call just simply pro-social bonding, connecting them with good people, right? And so so, so kids are never going to share everything with you, as, as awesome as you are. Um, what other adults are good, safe people? You know, it could be a, a relative, an uncle, whoever. Who are some of those other people? Like, what are those things? You know, the the sport or whatever. Without killing your kids on the sport thing, that's another issue altogether, isn't it? You know, some some kids are just burnt out because they're, they're they've got their hands up for so many things, and kid, you know, parents running ragged, running around to you know, 10 different things in a week. But I don't mean that that sort of support. But, you know, so that exterior stuff. So stop and ponder. What are some of those external things that are helping my kids? What's going on in the inside? Focus on those things. Um, and it's going to help. It's not a silver bullet. Great. I love that phrase. Name it and frame it. In in the speaking world, you know, we talk about um, name it and claim it when people are, well, are experts yeah. in their specific area. But no, I like it. La name it and frame it. And I do love rhymes because that yeah. reminds us to frame it. Like, what's the context? Just don't tell yes. me I'm I'm awesome. That's quite generic. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean yeah. awesome? Like specifically yeah. how? I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. so great. That's mm -hmm. so great. And and, and, and some so, of the, sorry, just and just one other thing. Encourage, encourage, encourage. Just you know, no one, no one left a, a job, a, a, a church, a, a team. No one ever left anywhere from being over encouraged, right? You know, like you, you never, you never had an employee come in for their boss and I quit. I'm so sick of being over encouraged. Every time I walk, every morning, you know, Natalie just tells me how awesome is someone else saying, well, I did a great job. No, no one ever quits from being over encouraged, right? So, and 
and Kiwis, like you'll get this from Canada, like we are the masters of the tall poppy syndrome, right? In fact, I had a Canadian youth worker once where talking to me, she said, Ras, absolutely, that is such a thing, right? I, I just don't understand that Kiwi mentality, but encourage, encourage, encourage. Um, in fact, um, you know, our four core values, Heart for Youth, are accept, connect, equip, and encourage. If I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to take courage and put it in you. So, so be that encourager. You know, I mean, it is good to tell them they're awesome, but give them some reasons why as well. But still, tell them they're awesome. Yeah, so good. Well, there you go. I'm going to ask you the four questions that I ask everybody. Speaking of courage, what is yep. one thing that you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? <laughs> Okay, thank you. Um, well, this is a little bit left field. Um, so, um, being in my late fifties, uh, I actually finally got around to getting a formal ADHD diagnosis um, that I've suspected for a long, long time, and then I've known for a long time. Uh, but I thought, well, I've done a few things and gotten this far, so it can't be too bad. So, yeah, I went in. I went. I got an ADHD diagnosis. Um, I absolutely broke the machine. Um, and uh, there was, there was, um, I cried, there was uh, sadness, there was euphoria, uh, there's things I finally understood. So I've actually been unpacking that for, for some time, the, you know, not that long. Um, and it's really, really helping me seeing the challenge with ADHD. And of course, I've, I've worked a lot with ADHD kids. And so, um, yeah, so that, that's something, um, that's, yeah, has has been a bit of a. In fact, I, I shared someone. Funny you should say, I shared that with someone last week, and they said to me how brave. And I didn't think that was a brave thing, but um, yeah. So that's been huge for me, and that's a, a new journey for an old dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly it. That's it. you named it and you claimed it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I know someone else who did that as well in in her late forties. Uh, and she said it was kind of a relief just to have some self-understanding. And that's what it's about, you know, self-discovery, yeah. understanding yourself and how you show up yeah. in the world. Interestingly, you know, before we went, we, before we recorded, we were talking about my friend, Victoria, who's a photographer yeah. and she actually works with, she has ADHD. She works with um, wow. kids um, who also have ADHD and other photographers who have ADHD to run a photography business. How cool is that? Wow. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll yeah, definitely yeah, connect yeah. you. That's very yeah, cool. Sure. Um, so on your, what is on your bucket list? What do you, what is one thing that you would like to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you to achieve? <clears throat> um, yeah, that's a great question. I've, I've done a few things. I've been a few places, so it's not places and things. Um, I, I, you know, long ago stopped pursuing big things, cars, houses, whatever. Um, yeah, I just think Natalie simply, so, so back to the ADHD. So ADHD people got a, amazing superpowers and I, I found out a lot of them become NGOs. They become, um, they become warriors in certain fields. Um, they've got a high sense of, um, uh, fighting injustice, and they're high, what I call hyper-empathetic. So I have a degree of empathy that cripples me. Mm. Um, and so when I think and I see what's happening to young people, um, it, it takes me out completely. So I don't, my bucket list is it's it's just a, it's an ongoing kick, I guess. <laughs> do we kick? Do we kick? 
Do we check the bucket? Where, where well, hopefully the bucket we don't kick it. We're trying to do no, these things before no, no. we kick the bucket. We, we weren't just a bucket list. I was like, do we check it off before we kick the bucket? I don't <laughs> know. But but so so mine, if it was, it's an ongoing um, kick. And and for me, it's just I know it sounds a bit cliche, but just 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 fighting for for, for young people and um, really now imparting what I've what I've learned. Um, and, and I didn't see myself as being a, a trainer or someone that would empower um, other adults. I just started telling my story and sharing some of my experiences. Um, and being ADHD, we hoover up lots of small pieces of information, lightning quick. Um, and so I am very passionate about learning things. I have learned a lot and, and it makes sense. It connects. Um, so, so my thing now, I mentor, I'll never stop mentoring. I, I mentor three awesome boys, uh, 12-year-old boy, been with him for three years. Um, my awesome, he's now my friend Connor, just turned 21, been with him six years, another boy, 16, eight years. So I'm never going to stop mentoring. I love that. But my thing is really about trying to empower um, parents, um, adults, um, police officers, social workers, um, counsellors, anyone that work with young people um, and just more around that practical, that practical stuff, um, you know, rather than the theory. I don't, I don't have formal qualifications in youth work, but um, I've got a lot of lived experience. So, that, so that's my absolute passion, Natalie, with, without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. And you've done such an amazing job with that. And I know that um, you're going to keep doing it because I can just see that. I know you guys can't see Ross, but I can see the joy on his face when he's talking about it. <laughs> yeah. What is coming up for you in the next six months and how can people can connect with you online? Yeah. So we're certainly going to be carrying on doing what we're doing, um, finding volunteer mentors to match them with young people. As I say, I've been doing that in Tamaki Makaurau for, for over 10 years. We we haven't expanded our little area in, in, in Auckland basically because I don't want to be looking after, um, you know, workers <laughs> i've done enough of that so we're, so we're kind of a little boutique there but but really for me it's about empowering other organizations so i'm able to do that through the new zealand youth mentoring network and through heart for youth and so um yeah i just want to get in front of people um share some of those practical tips and how to build positive self-esteem help them with communication conflict resolution all those sort of things um yeah and so um we're just going to be keeping delivering in our trainings uh, across the Mutu, across New Zealand. And so, um, yeah, we, we run a course, um, a self-empowerment, a, a youth mentoring empowerment and mentoring course. Um, so we've got various ones of those coming up um, around the country. So we've got one coming up in Auckland, Saturday, July 1st. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm training for the network um, in Wellington. I'm in Tauranga in a couple of weeks. Uh, so, yeah, uh, lots of things coming up. And the best way to get hold of me is just Ross at Heart for Youth. That's three words joined together. Heart as in beating heart. Four, F-O-R, not the number. Heart for Youth as in young people dot org dot nz yeah and that's the same address for our uh, website as well okay so if they if you're listening to this live um on the friday that it airs then you might be able to go to the workshop but if not if you're listening to the replay i'm sure ross always has different trainings and things going on so can you just repeat the website they go to yep so it's simply heart for youth 
H-E-A-R-T-F-O-R, youth, Y-O-U-T-H, dot org, dot N-Z. Amazing. And That's so email great. is just Ross at Heart for Youth. Yeah, and, and look, hey, I'm passionate about the small communities. They get overlooked a lot. So, you know, if, if you want to get some training going through through myself or through the New Zealand Youth Mentoring Network, get in, get in touch with me. And, yeah, as I say, it's my absolute passion and we'll make it happen. <laughs> may not be this year, but, <laughs> yeah. It's so important because, you know, I talk about how I help the people who help the people. You help the people who help the people because upskilling or equipping some of the people that are mentoring or interacting with youth because they're dealing with anxiety on a different level, you know, and other yep. and issues and stresses and strains that they haven't had to deal with before. So that's amazing that you're empowering so many people. So you guys Thank definitely you. get in touch with Ross. And Ross, last question. Is there anything else um, you would love to share with our listeners today before we wrap things up? Um, oh, I just I just want to encourage people Um you know, once again, I think I said at the start, you know, if, if you're an adult, um, you know, you might see or feel the cause, uh, but no, not know what to do, how to do, you know, if you jump on one of our courses, if you, if you can, and, you know, I've just, I've had grandparents do this course and just come away and go, wow, I finally understand uh, my young people in the world that they're living in and navigating in. So, you know, I just want to encourage you um, as a parent, if you're struggling, um, just keep reaching out for help. And if if you find something that's not working for you, that's that's okay. Look for something out, uh, for something else. And you know, a lot of the time it's in the village, right? And so, you know, I think we just so much. Um, we just lean on the government all the time. Gov- politicians are people, right? They've got families and kids and struggles just like you, but but we just scream at the government. The government's not doing this. The government isn't going to fix probably anything, actually. <laughs> um, but, you know, the village is, is powerful, you know? And so uh, for me, I've jumped on the um, New Zealand Adults ADHD um, Facebook page. I've learned a whole, st- whole lot of stuff about adults with ADHD. So so just, yeah, be, I think courageous is where they come up. Yeah, be be courageous. And, um, you know, I just want to shout out, especially with, the, you know, single parents, uh, you know, you, mums, you, you, you're my absolute superheroes. Um, and I just want to encourage you, you know, if, you, if you're supporting young people, just do the best you can and 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 on that journey look after yourself as well because that's really important uh, as we do what we're doing thank you so much ross for joining us today on the topic of building resilience ross mccook thanks so much ross thanks natalie and thanks for listening everyone you're listening to up your brave on rcr reality check radio